0: We're in a series titled Called by God, and today we're talking about how we're called to work for God. Now, the format's going to be just a little bit different today. I'm going to talk for a few minutes, and I've got three folks who are going to come up, and I'm going to talk to them about God's calling on their lives in the work that they do. Now, when you think about being called to work for God, what do you typically think? We typically think like being a pastor, right? Or or being a missionary, or uh, helping the poor, the oppressed, kind of this Mother Teresa kind of idea. We don't think about the jobs we do, really, as working for God. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that we're, we're all called to work for God. He doesn't just call people to churchy things. He calls people to be contractors, and teachers, and nurses, and baristas, and stay-at-home parents, and factory workers, and many, many other things. And then there are seasons in your life where your calling might be a student or you might be working a job that you really don't like and it really doesn't fit you, but it's, it's something you need to pay the bills. And that's okay too. And then there are passion-driven callings where we, we might volunteer for something, a cause that we believe in that honors God. And it's not tied to a paycheck. But you can be working for God in all of these things. And you're called to do them. He's given you those opportunities. And as we work in any of these jobs, um, we need to realize some things to help us kind of put our work in perspective. So we're going to go through a few things. Just bear with me, and then I'll get to the interviews. But the first thing is, we were created to work for God. Look at this verse in Genesis. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So God creates man, he gives him dominion or rule, and that word is is reserved for kings usually, over all the plants and animals. And then he puts him in the garden to work the garden. And up until this point, God had really been the only one that was creating, inventing, working, designing, crafting. But then he allows man to do it. He creates a helper for man, woman. And they're sent to the garden to work the garden. See, work's a gift from God. It's a blessing from God. And if you've ever been unemployed, then you certainly understand what a blessing work is. And we're wired to work. God's given us specific gifts and abilities to do that. The second thing is, is we're all called to do our best. In Colossians, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As though you were working for the Lord and not for people. Whatever you do. In the original text, I'll tell you, whatever means whatever. It means no matter what you do, whether it's a paid job or you're a student or you volunteer somewhere, we should be doing our best. People should be able to see us work differently. They should see that we treat people differently. That there's just something different about you. And in church words, we call this our witness. But it's really just us realizing that what we do matters. And that we want to glorify and honor God in that. So how would you work for God if he was truly your boss? Because if you're a believer in Christ, he is your boss. Next, our work should be centered around serving others. Philippians says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Everybody we come in contact with at work, but really anywhere that we go, anything that we do, the whatever, we should be looking for ways to serve them. How can I, as an employee or a boss or a business owner, or whatever, how can I serve the people with whom I work or come in contact? Things like doing business with integrity, being humble and gracious, helping people succeed, being on time and productive. These are ways that we can serve God and serve other people well. And then finally, work for God is not wasted or insignificant. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. If we do our best and we work for the Lord, then that time is not useless. It might seem cumbersome. You might not like it. You might have a terrible boss or hours that you dread or the pay stinks. And you might not understand why God has you there, but he has you there for now. It might be to teach you something. It might be to encourage somebody that you come in contact with. And honestly, you might never know the why. Now, this doesn't mean that you stay in a bad situation. Or it doesn't mean that you shouldn't look for other opportunities. Or to help make the situation better. But while you're there, don't think of it as a waste or as insignificant. Every job that God gives us is part of His divine plan. So today we're going to talk to three people who see the work they're doing as a calling on their lives, and they're going to show us some practical examples of what this looks like. The first person that's going to come up is Chip Patat. Chip is, he's been one of our elders, Uh, he serves on our greeting team, he's um, served in our youth ministry, he's been around a long time, been around Freedom a very long time now. Chip um, owned a car lot here in town for a number of years, how long? 40 years, he owned a car lot, and then he retired, thinking, ah, this is it, I can watch my grandsons, and that was awesome, he got to do that, but then something changed, tell us, Chip, kind of what happened, uh, you retired four years ago, four and a half years ago, and then what happened six months later?
1: Uh, started helping at, uh, Daily Bread Ministries, at the Greer Soup Kitchen, Mm -hmm. and, um, Started working with them and sort of helping out with some of the homeless people around that area. Uh, got a little bit involved with the STEP program there, which is a homeless shelter, and um, got to know some of the homeless folks, and, and uh, I think the Lord just laid it on my heart to uh, kind of increase that STEP program. If the STEP program, what it is, it's a homeless shelter for families, and it, it brings the families in Houses them, educates them, helps them, coaches them into getting jobs and uh, permanent housing so that when they graduate from that program, they are self-sufficient again. Takes them from homelessness, transitions them into self-sufficiency. But it's only for families, and and uh, God just put it on my heart that that need to be expanded to where there'd be opportunities for people who were individuals or couples and so um, the way it was decided to do that was to go with tiny homes so we've started Mm -hmm. building tiny homes which will house individuals and couples also they will also go through the STEP program to uh, to educate them and to transition them out of homelessness
0: excellent by the way starting next week for the month of February we're going to be taking up items for the STEP program just so you know uh, Martha and David Fawcett are kind of heading that up, and you'll hear more about that next week. But just to kind of kind of prime you for that, that we're gonna we're gonna be supporting this ministry a little bit more. But Chip, you you really you haven't been a contractor. I mean, you, you've never built a tiny home, but God calls you to do this. You feel called to do this, and so you step out into this. and And I'm sure it was super easy, right? I mean, you do, everything just falls into place when you when you start dealing with like city council and uh greenville county and nothing against any of them or any you know but you know how bureaucracy works red tape things like that did that stuff happen to you and then how did that make you feel because i'm sure you kind of get a little bit discouraged but then what pushes you through that because you're still doing it right you didn't quit no okay so tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah that that took a that was quite a process to get uh the Project actually approved through the city because there was some uh, hesitation on their part they didn't really want it in the beginning and uh so but through god's grace it did it did take place and so uh, but uh, yeah it, it it can be discouraging at times and oh uh, I'll, I'll tell a little story I told in the first yeah, service absolutely that uh, uh, it was it probably I don't know, a year and a half or so ago. Uh, it was kind of a, a particularly difficult time, and I was going trying to get it through the city and facing a lot of discouragement there. They were saying this is not going to be approved. You know, we're not going to be allowed this and that kind of thing. But I was, uh, and I was also working with some homeless folks that were, uh, at the time, things weren't going real well with, with them. There was some discouragement on that part. And I was going one day to Greenville to see to meet with uh, civil engineers about some plans that they were doing for the project. And on the way over there, like I said, it was just kind of a low point. And I was just talking to God about it. and I said, "You know, I don't, I don't know about this, Father. Help me, help me to have more passion about it, and that kind of thing." And I pulled in the parking lot, and I, I just said, "You know, God, I just, I don't know." if I love these people enough to keep doing this through all this, you know? And I, he just, he spoke to me and he said, do you love me enough to keep doing this? Hmm. And so I said, yes, I do. And so uh, I realized then that while we serve people, for sure, our ultimate, ultimately we serve God, and that that needs to be our primary motivation.
0: Excellent, excellent. Thank you, Chip. I appreciate you coming and talking to us. Everybody, give Chip, Chip a hand. <laughs> Next up is Lance Owens, and by the way, I'm doing my due diligence here, but Lance has been vaccinated. He's one, of, so y'all can hug all up on Lance right. later. He loves that. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> now, Lance. Tell people what you do because I don't even really know like what your title is or I mean I know you do physical you therapy. You weren't listening in the first service? I wasn't. I actually I nodded off a little bit during the first service <laughs> while you were talking. So Okay.
2: So uh, by trade I'm a physical therapist. I've been a physical therapist for 30 years. Uh, May will be my 30th anniversary of graduation and so I'm a physical therapist and I've, I've been mostly in sports medicine orthopedic but uh, two, two, a little over two years ago I became the supervisor of therapy at Greer Memorial Hospital, so I'm over physical therapy, occupational therapy, and um, speech therapy. Awesome. So that's, that's kind of my full-time thing, but I mostly see patients in the hospital now providing physical therapy. So why do you want to keep seeing patients? Um, well, I, I love it. I, I that's Because that's you're what a I, manager
0: now, well, you're like big time.
2: I am a manager, and I've been a manager for 28 years, 29 years, But and I've had a couple of... Um, seasons in my career that I've been only a manager and I realized that you know I could do that but that wasn't really what I was passionate about that's what that's not what I love doing and that's not what I guess gives me energy and and makes my day worthwhile I feel like when I'm working with patients and I'm I'm one-on-one with them that's that's where I really feel my my calling is yeah yeah
0: so you've been in this 30 years has it always been a calling on your lot? Like, did you look at it fr- at the very beginning and go, that's what God wants me to do, and I'm going to minister that way and all that? Or did it,
2: did it evolve over time, or did it change at some point? Tell us a little bit about what um, that. I, I don't think I really realized that that's what God was calling me to do. I, I realized when I was, a, I was an intern and I was an, a volunteer that that's what I wanted to do. But um, I didn't realize that's where God was leading me to do. And Mm -hmm. I I had been a therapist probably, I don't know, six or eight years Mm -hmm. and um, had moved back here to Greer and we were at um, Fairview Baptist Church and I was getting more and more involved. I was teaching Sunday school and I became a deacon and that kind of thing. And I actually felt a calling to do something within that and Mm -hmm. went to North Greenville and took a couple of classes up there in their pastoral program, just trying to figure out, you know, kind of. What I wanted to do or be, and what God was calling me, but it was through uh, some sessions and counseling with uh, Pastor Lonnie Shule, the pastor at Fairview, that um, he helped me to understand and believe that what I was doing was a ministry and it was a calling from God. So that was that was kind of a a turning point in my career. So yeah, yeah. So what did anything change when you kind
0: of hit that turning point, like? Tell us a little bit about that.
2: It, it it changed how I looked at what I did and mm-hmm. and how I looked at the people that that were before me and that that I got to work with. I, I I went deeper than just you know why why does your shoulder hurt? But let me get to know you and let's let's get to a deeper level of of, of a relationship or talking or whatever. And it, it it allowed me to look at people differently instead of just a, a patient that I'm hopefully trying to get better, but as a person that maybe I'm, you know, being a witness to or, or helping them in, a, in, in just a much deeper way and God allowing me to do that. Excellent, excellent.
0: Yeah. Now, now, finally, tell us, have you, had, have you had jobs that were like a, cha- like a big challenge? And then what did you learn from those? Because not every job is great. Like you love your job that you're doing right. now, but not every job's like that. And some of these folks might have a terrible job. Yeah. And so, what did you learn in those experiences?
2: Um, well, two two examples come to mind. My my original degree was in education, and so I was a teacher for a year, and I taught middle school kids, <laughs> and I learned real quick that wasn't my calling, and and I don't I didn't like middle school kids, and I man I, I hated it, and I, but God, uh, you no know, offense in, to any no, middle school, no, school kids, God, if you're a teacher, <laughs> God bless you. That, that I hope that's a calling for you, but but it wasn't for me. So, but I did learn to uh, deal with people that maybe didn't want to learn from me and didn't want to hear what I had to say and maybe had smart mouths or whatever, but being patient with them. Um, But God was using that time in my life to teach me lessons that, you know, in retrospect, I can look back on and learn from. And then the other job, probably the hardest job I ever had was through college. I was a, a waiter bartender, and that's the hardest job I've ever had. So if you do that also, God bless you. But it taught me how to serve people. Because if you don't serve people and make people happy as a server, you're not going to get paid. You're not going to get money. But it, it taught me how to connect with people, and God has used those two experiences of, of hard or frustrating jobs to be better at what I'm doing now and to, I think, be a better servant to him and servant to the people that I get to uh, deal with every day. Excellent.
0: Thank yeah. you. Thank right. you, Lance. I appreciate it. Give, give Lance a hand. And then finally is Liz Brown, and y'all saw Liz up here earlier, and uh, I'm going to clean this off for you because you haven't been vaccinated, but uh, it's obvious part of Liz's calling is doing what she did just a few minutes ago. Um, she's extremely talented at it, and, and she believes that God's called her uh, to do that as part of what she does, but that's not her full-time gig, I know, I know it's surprising, but we don't We don't pay her like a ton of money to do this. We don't pay her at all. Uh, Our band is all volunteer, and they love doing what they do, and and we appreciate that so much. But Liz, tell people what you do, because it kind of piggybacks on what Lance was talking about in a
3: way. Um, I am an elementary school art teacher, so I teach about 500 kids a week, um, ranging from kindergarten all the way up through fourth grade. That's my Monday through Friday job. (laughs)
0: So, um, tell us a little bit about um, how how did you feel God calling you into that? Tell us your story kind of of uh, early on, you kind of felt that, but then you, you moved away from that tell us Tell us about that.
3: When I was growing up um, i my mom is here. We did art all the time growing up, and I loved it. Um, but when I got into high school trying to graduate have a good GPA all those things Um, I kind of put art to the side but I started like I thought maybe I would want to be an art teacher I thought that would be cool but I just kind of thought oh no I don't really do art anymore Um, I can't really do that like and I just kind of pushed it away and uh, went in a different direction to to North Greenville I did um, got a bachelor's in print media and mass communications department so So and then I didn't like it very much (laughs) (laughs) When I got to my internship, um, I really just didn't like it at all, Um, and I was like, oh, no, (laughs) what am I going to do now? So I had to do a lot of praying until God kind of brought me back around um, to, you know what, maybe I need to pursue the art teacher thing, and so I went back to school, got my master's, and got certified, um, and then was able to get in the classroom, so...
0: So Lance taught middle school, and that was really hard. But teaching elementary school kids, that's easy, right? I mean, that's, there's, that's super especially easy. Especially during
3: COVID. Right? Yeah,
0: during COVID and all yeah. that. That's, it's really been super easy. Now tell us, I, I know that can get discouraging, especially uh, I was talking with somebody earlier who's, who's a teacher, and it's just, it's a, it's just been different. Um, so, so tell us, when things get discouraging, things like that, what, what kind of drives you, what pushes you to keep doing it?
3: Yeah, so, like, by the 200th time that I've asked a child to put their mask back on, which I'm supposed to do, and I'm told to do that, or, you know, told the 100th child to get back in their seat or get out from under their desk or, you know, stop doing this or that or whatever, um, I have to remember that um, those are little souls, you know, and little human beings, and they're going to become adults one day. and um, And I just try to remember that, it's such a privilege that God puts me in that position where I'm seeing like 500 children a week where I have that opportunity to, to love on them and show them that an adult cares for them, um, encourage them. You know, a lot of them are so down on themselves. Even kindergartners sometimes are so down on themselves. Um, so I'm able to just be, you know, such a light and love to them in my position
0: yeah man. let me ask you guys I asked the first services too how many of you had a teacher that you look back on and you go you know what they were more than a teacher they really loved me and they they kind of looked out for me look I want to see a show of hands because I want to encourage people like Liz and other people who are teachers and coaches and things like that that you're making a huge difference in kids lives I mean you 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 need to understand that that it's more than just teaching. And that's kind of what the work for God, what we're talking about today. But finally, tell us, because I love this story, what this is, this is the last thing I'm gonna ask you. What is the worst job you've ever had? And then what did you learn from it?
3: The worst job I ever had has to be when I was in high school. I was the Easter bunny at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you over there <laughs> um, I got into that because I was an elf on the Christmas set at the mall, which is <laughs> probably she the second promoted. worst. Um, so, and it paid really good money, and at that time I needed it, so, so I took the Easter bunny job, um, and it was not easy and not fun, and I had to get in that stinky, sweaty costume. Super gross. Um, and I didn't really know what I learned from it at that time. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, looking back at it now, like, looking at that, um, I learned to be pretty flexible, for sure, and very patient. Patient with children, patient with families. You know, parents get upset. Pictures aren't the way they wanted them to look. You know, there's so many things I had to learn how to deal with the public. So there was a lot of, and I deal with a lot of parents now as an art teacher. So, um, so that, that was some, those are some things I learned from that. <laughs> That's
0: great. Thanks, Liz. Thank So I hope that some of that resonated with you and um, kind of where you might be right now or, or where, where you want to be hearing those stories. And, but I get it, some of you might be sitting there and honestly you feel a little bit stuck and you, you don't really know what God's calling you to do or, or really even, even how to discover that. Or you might be doing something you know God's called you to do, and that's awesome. But now you're wondering, too, is there something else that God wants you to do? Is there, is there something different, or is there a volunteer thing that you need to be doing that you, you maybe feel called to? Well, I think as we work, we need to kind of look at a few things um, that we, we really should all be doing. Um, the first thing is, is we need to spend time with God. The best way to know what God wants you to do and when is to spend alone time with him. And Joseph talks about this a lot. We talk about it a lot. But it is so important. It is not enough for us to come here a few times a month or even every week and not spend personal time with God. A growing relationship with God, it'll open our ears to God's calling. It'll it'll perk us up. We'll be looking for it. When we read his word, when we pray, when we we ask what he wants us to do, when we're listening, it'll make us perk up and be ready. Spending time with God, it'll help us be ready for additional callings or something different even. And while we're doing that, we need to be looking for lessons and opportunities. Whether you have a, a job like being the Easter bunny at the mall, or whether you have a job that you love. It's not always going to be easy. There are going to be challenges. It's going to be tough. It's going to be discouraging. So ask God what He wants you to learn in those times. Because remember, no job is wasted or insignificant. And God is always teaching us. He's always preparing us for something. So look for those lessons and those opportunities. And then serve people well. We talked about this. While you're listening and learning, serve people well. Work as if you're working for Him. Be the best employee, the best student, the best stay-at-home parent, the best retiree, the best member of the community that you can possibly be. He has you where you are to do your best and to serve His people and serve Him. And then finally, trust that God has a plan. Look at this verse in Ephesians. For we are God's handiwork. Some translations read masterpiece. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're saved to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're not saved by works, but we're saved to do good works. God has a plan. He's prepared in advance these things for us to do. God is not winging it. We are his masterpiece, and he's prepared good works for you to do. Now, never think that God has finished working with you or through you. God can give you something to do at any time. Chip was retired. He's loving life, keeping his grandsons, awesome. And God called him to something else, something to do. I think that as long as you're alive, God might call you to do something, especially if you're able But I want to tell you a little bit about my dad. My dad's a retired pastor, and to some of you, you go, oh, now I get it. Those of you that know me, you're like, oh, okay. Um, You've heard preachers' kids are the worst, and sometimes that's true, but really it's because we played with the Deacons' kids. It's, It's their fault, really. But a few years ago, my dad and mom moved to a place in Lawrence, South Carolina. It's a retirement community. It's called Martha Franks. And it's operated by the South Carolina Baptist Convention. And most of the residents there, if not all of them, are retired pastors and missionaries and their spouses. So when my dad moved there, my parents moved there, my dad could still drive, so they'd they'd go to church and all these different places. And my dad's always felt that part of his calling, aside from preaching, was to help people just understand better who God is, especially people who didn't have faith, or who are very new in the faith, in faith in Jesus. So my dad, has a, he has an awesome sense of humor, and he'll, he'll tease servers at the restaurants, and he'll talk to them, and all those sorts of things. He asked questions. He usually go, went to the same restaurants, so he'd get to know these servers, and just everywhere he went, he was like that. He'd relate to people, and then a lot of times, people would eventually open up to him. They'd start asking him questions when they found out he was a retired pastor. You know, what do you think about this? And so and so. and But then it would change to, hey, I'm struggling with this. What, what do I do about this? Or questions about God or, or the Bible or whatever. And God gave him some opportunities like that in this, in this facility. And so he felt like he still could do work for God. He felt useful. Well, then my dad stopped driving and my mom went to the memory care unit there. And so my dad couldn't really get out and about and talk to people anymore. And he started feeling maybe like his work for God was over because it's kind of tough to do what he was doing in just that bubble of retired pastors and missionaries. It's not exactly what you call fertile ground for that. And then in December of 2019, my mom passed away. And then three months later, March 2020, anybody know what happened? Corona. So, Where my dad lives is a retirement facility. All those shut down, locked down. We couldn't go see him. Nobody could come in. And he can't get around really well anymore. He's in a wheelchair and things like that. And so all of that made him feel even less useful because he was ministering to my mom, helping her, and then she passes away. And my dad thought for sure, he told me several times, God's going to take me soon. What am I going to do? I got nothing to do. I got no work that God has given me. So, he consciously did these four things right here that we talked about. And he still is. And he's starting to see God open doors for him. There are a lot of nurses and workers who come in, they come in twice a day and take his temperature. They've had. People who have been positive, so they, kind of, they shut everybody down, put them in their rooms. They bring meals to him, so he's got people coming in, workers, nurses, hospice, all these sorts of people. He does the same thing he did in the restaurants. He talks to them. He jokes around with them. He asks them questions. He's gotten to know a lot of them pretty well. So you know what's happened? The same thing. These people start opening up to him. They start talking to him. They start asking him questions what they struggle with, all those sorts of things. In fact, one of the nurses who comes to see him on a weekly basis, she hasn't been a Christian for a very long time. And so she asked my dad if he'd be willing to go through some books in the Bible with her. And just, you know, where do I start and those sorts of things. And he would. they started in John, I believe. And so they sit in the book of John and they've they've walked through that a little bit. My dad doesn't get super deep with it. It's not like he throws out a seminary degree and, you know, all this. But he's he's just trying to help her learn about God. Then they've moved on to other books. So when she asked him if if he would be willing to do that, his answer was absolutely. And they meet on a weekly basis and spend time together because she's able to go in there. So in the midst of a pandemic, in a place where it's restricted, how many people and who can go in and in a facility that houses primarily retired pastors and missionaries my 86 year old dad is out of excuses he's getting opportunities to work for god and he's still learning in fact he tells me his relationship with god is stronger now than it's ever been and he spent 40 years in the ministry 40 plus years He's still learning. And He's still willing. And God is never done with you until He's done with you. He will give you those opportunities. You don't have to lead a Bible study where you are. You don't have to preach. You don't have to do anything like that to work for God. Understand what we talked about before. God's called all of us to do our best and work for Him where we are. And God's designed you specifically to do good works that he's prepared for you. He's given you experience and abilities and talent and personalities to to fit into a spot that he wants you to do and to do well. And I believe he'll show you what to do. And I think if we spend time with him, if we are looking for those lessons and opportunities, if we serve people well, And if we'll trust that he has a plan, even when things don't go exactly the way we think they ought to go, I think he'll reveal his calling to you or his callings to you. Now, listen, if you're not a Christian, I I still encourage you to do all these things and you can do all these things. But your first call from God is to understand that you're loved by him. That he forgives your sins just like he's forgiven mine. That he sent his son to die on a cross for you just like he's done for me and Chip and Lance and Liz and a bunch of other people in here. He wants you to be a part of his family. And if you haven't made that commitment, I would love to talk to you about that. I'll be right down here at the front afterwards. And I'd love to talk to you. Now, if you don't have time to talk, that's fine. There's a little card we're going to talk about in a minute. And there's a spot on there where you can check that you want to talk to somebody. And I promise somebody will call you and talk to you. But don't let time go by without doing that. Let that be your first call. And I'd encourage the rest of us and all of us to do these things starting this week, or maybe today. Just imagine what could happen in our community if we go to all of our different workplaces, and I look around and I see a lot of different workplaces, a lot of different industries, a lot of touch points for people in our community. Just imagine what could happen if we went and served people well. If we showed that we're going to do our best. We're going to love people the way God wants us to love people. And the way God loves people. And if we're listening to God's voice in our lives. Just think about what could happen. Just in this community. Of how people could be reached for Christ. Without you preaching. Or anything like that. Just being who God wants you to be and doing your best. And serving people well. Working for Him in whatever you do. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the blessing of work. Thank you so much for that gift. And for preparing those good works for us in advance. For us to do. I'm so glad, God, that you're not winging it. That you have a plan, even when we don't understand or we don't see it yet. Help us, God, to listen to you, to trust you, to serve well wherever we are. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.